The first time I saw the name of the shallow stream that's just across the street from our church on a map, I knew that I had to learn where that name came from. Do any of you all know what that stream's name is? I'm not talking about the Bronx River here. Troublesome Brook, right? The first time that popped up on my GPS, the first time I was driving up here, I'm like, there's got to be a story there, right? Troublesome Brook, Troublesome Brook. There's got to be a story. So this week I went to the, uh, uh, the, the Crestwood Library and I said, I want to learn about Troublesome Brook. And they said, here's this book. And I started reading it. And guess what? There's no big, great story as to how it got the name Troublesome Brook. It's pretty benign how it all happened. But it's interesting, nevertheless. Uh, It's been called Troublesome Brook for a long, long time, probably over 300 years. And it's troublesome simply because it flooded. But brooks tend to do that, right? Uh, So brooks, waters come, waters rise. Every brook at the right time is a little bit troublesome, right? And it got me thinking about how that name, Troublesome Brook, really says more about the the people who perhaps settled here than about the brook itself. And it tells us something about how they live. Because the brook, long before people were here, the brook was doing what brooks do, right? Rolling toward the Bronx River and then heading on south, uh, going low in, in droughts, coming high in wet seasons. The brook was doing what brooks do. But when people started settling in this area, right, they had to learn some lessons the hard way. Perhaps they built their house a little too close to the brook and it brought them some trouble. Or perhaps they invested a little too heavily in planting their crops in the floodplain. And perhaps that brought them some trouble. So the river or the brook became troublesome because the people weren't quite living in perfect harmony with it. They weren't quite living in perfect relationship with that. They had some lessons that they had to learn. And the cost of those lessons, the cost of that education was trouble. Now, I don't know how troublesome Troublesome Creek is uh, these days. I don't, does anybody live, anybody have it running through their backyard? If you do, it might bring you some trouble from time to time. But, but in reality, it just kind of flows. It's, it's what this little bridge crosses right here. Uh, I don't know. I don't think it's ever got so high that it flooded our church or anything like that. It's not so troublesome these days. Uh, and because of that, we might be thinking that, that, that it, it, it's a story from another age, right? We might feel a, a disconnect between those who settled this area three and a half centuries ago and our own daily experience. But I do think there's something there. There's a story behind the story that is worth our attention today. You and I probably don't feel that our daily lives are so connected to our 17, the 17th century residents of this area, but there is a vital and essential connection between our daily experience and theirs. And that connection is trouble. We know trouble just like they knew trouble. And a lot of the trouble we experience in our lives is because we've built our lives a little too close to something that we shouldn't have quite trusted so much. Or we've invested a little bit heavily in a land that was prone to seasons of plenty and seasons of want, of floods and drought. Each of us, um, or, or few of us, Uh, have the problem of of setting out to do what's wrong and do what's evil. That's really not so much what gets us in trouble, is it? Very few of us, uh, I hope none of us, frankly, wake up each morning and think, what can I do wrong today, right? We really don't think that. 
But most of us have probably had the experience of, uh, of going about doing something that we thought was good, maybe pursuing a, a good and honorable goal or, or pursuing something in what we felt were good and honorable ways. And we wake up one morning and we think, how did I get here? How did I get in so much trouble? How did my life turn out this way? We know what it's like to be disappointed. We know what it's like to have things not work out the way that we wanted. We know trouble. And in that way, we know what it's like to build our lives next to troublesome brook. We place our trust in, 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 a, in a bank account that suddenly goes down. We placed our trust in someone who suddenly disappears and lets us down. We place our trust and our hopes in a job, in, in, in someone, in a thing, whatever it is. We know what it's like to be heartbroken. We know what it's like to be let down. We know what it's like to experience trouble. And because of that connection that we have with those who have gone before us, because of that connection that unites us, that unites the human family, that realization, that awakening, that, that, that confession puts us, I believe, in a position to hear again the words of John the Baptist. It's no accident, is it, that John's ministry is on the fringes of his society at the water. At the water called Jordan, but the water that we recognize as troubled. John comes into his community, drawing people from his community with the message that we have built our lives on something that's not so stable. Is it, is it materialism? Is it political hopes? Is it, is it uh, the, 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 the hopes for a, a, a violent Messiah to come and kick the Romans out of the land in which they lived? Whatever it is, uh, we, we know trouble. They knew trouble. And John's going to make the connection between that experience and our experience and, and where we are right now and where we are as God's people. John comes to the troubled waters with a solution with hope, with a message of deliverance, a message of liberation. He says, you don't have to go on like this. The way things are is not the way that things have to be. God offers hope. God offers strength. God offers a new beginning. John does this in, 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 in such a wild way, right? I mean, he, he, the scripture describes him as, as, as wearing strange clothes and keeping a weird diet and, and just a really rough around the edges kind of character. But at its core, I think all this kind of stuff, all that external stuff of John is just to kind of shake us up from our slumber so that we see the simplicity and the power of his message. It's like God is about to do something real and powerful and mighty in our midst. And it's going to expose the shakiness of all those other things in which we built our lives upon. It's going to set right what is broken. It's going to bring healing to what is hurting. It's going to, to, to take us from where we are and lead us into something better, something holy, something good and filled with love. We recognize John's ministry as, as that of a forerunner, that John's ministry really comes into its own and is understood most clearly because of its relationship 
to Jesus, right? The, the passage that we heard from Malachi is interpreted to, to, to mean just that. That John is the one who comes before to say, the one who is coming is far greater than even me, he says. But he will bring uh, what's good and what's true into your life. So prepare yourselves for it. Make straight what's crooked. Lift up every valley. Bring down every mountain. The image here is to prepare a highway for the king, the conquering king, the returning king. That's the image that, that John's playing with here. But again, we're brought back to those troublesome waters. We need God to come into our midst today to fix what is broken, to make right what's shaky, to take those instances where we've maybe built our lives on something that's not so stable and either show us where we can go to find more sturdy ground or to help us buttress up what we've built so that it can be stable and endure. Show us in wisdom and in love a better way to go, gracious God. Troublesome waters, we know trouble, but thank God we know Jesus. We know a Savior who comes into our midst, who comes into our lives, who comes into our hopes. You know, there's another fascinating part uh, of the story of, of Troublesome Brook. Uh, over 200 years ago, in the late 1700s, uh, our congregation was meeting in a house at the corner of what's now Scarsdale Road and Pennsylvania Avenue, right close to Troublesome Brook. And I love the fact that the roots of this church are beside troubled waters, because that's where the church should always be. The church should always be willing to go to troubled waters where people are hurting and where people are desperate and where people feel that there's no hope and where people feel that their life is shrouded in darkness and where people wake up day after day after day thinking, how did I get in this mess? How did I get in this place? It hurts so much. What am I going to do next? Where am I going to go from here? And our message as Christians, our message as those who have received the Savior into our lives is that God comes to you as well. The Savior isn't just for neat people and people who are secure and people who have healthy bank accounts and people who love their jobs and people who wake up with a smile on their face every day. That's not what the gospel is. But the gospel comes to those who are hurting, those who are miserable. And there are a lot of them, right? But the gospel comes to them and says, there's hope. There's a better way. And if you can't see that way right now, that's fine. Because there's love. A love that you don't have to pay for. A love that you don't have to earn. There's just love. We call that love grace, and that's why we give God thanks for it. So beside troubled waters, we find hope. Each one of us, each one of us know what it's like to experience trouble. And I pray in the midst of, uh, of our quiet moments, each one of us can say, thank God. When I was beside those troubled waters, God came and stilled them for me and showed me a better way to go. We claim that, and that's a reason each one of us can give thanks today. But as we give thanks to, we recognize it's only by God's grace that that deliverance came to us and that we yearn and we hope and we strive and indeed we serve to see others escape from or find deliverance from or get away from what's hurting them and what's troubling them and what's bringing them sorrow and what's bringing them pain. And that's where we find our mission. That's where the intersection of our experience and our mission comes together, beside the troubled waters, where Christ brings healing and where John proclaims there is a better way. Let's find that way to, better way together. And as we go, let us always give thanks.
Thanks be to God for this good news today and always. Amen and amen.